People, what's happening? What's going on? Everything all right in your world? All is well? Staying cool here in this heat wave that we're going on through, especially in the Northeast? Well, that old song that you hear around the Christmas time, it's the most wonderful time. Right, you get where I'm coming from. Well, it is this time that's the most wonderful. Forget about Christmas. Forget about hot chocolate, long johns, scarves, gloves, snow. I Put that all aside because right now this is what it's all about. Sun, sand, surf, great times, hazy, hot, and humid days. That's right. That's what I love, and that's why I'm in my element right about now here on the j Rolls Podcast. So to put the weather aside, what we're here to discuss is nothing but SPORTS. And here we are on a July 2nd in the year of our Lord, 2018. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. I really appreciate you downloading the program, getting a chance to Listen to what it is that I have to say about what's going on in the diamond, the ice, the gridiron, the hardwood, racetrack, tennis court, golf course, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the j podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. And if this is your second, third, tenth, or even fifteenth time, welcome back. With the weather that has certainly been very fuego out there, to say the least, uh, certainly the sports world has uh, been just as hot, if not hotter. Obviously, a lot to talk about here as we talk to you about what's going on in the world of sports. Uh, Some of the things that I'll touch on today before I get to the top story of the uh, weekend, uh, certainly leading into this week. Uh, We got the World Cup that's going on. I know now we're getting to the stretch of the round of 16 where we had the one match earlier today, which I'll discuss a little bit. And people don't don't expect the uh, big analysis if you've heard my uh, last couple of podcasts in reference to this. But we'll touch a little bit on that. Uh, Yankee Sox, big time yawn, uh, series letdown, if you ask me, over the weekend. We'll uh, recap that a little bit. Mickey Calloway, the situation there with Sandy Alderson. And right, people probably think, wait, wait what situation Sandy or with Mickey Calloway? I'm going to present my assessment because if you've heard me in the last couple of podcasts, it's been all about Jeff Wolpon. It's been about Sandy Alderson. And some of the things that I had mentioned about Sandy has come to fruition. Sadly, as we'll talk about his uh, departure, but with the situation with the manager, there's a lot to be discussed there, and uh, certainly moving forward, I have to share some of my thoughts in regards to that. Uh, Another big story that gets overshadowed by the top story, especially here in this neck of the woods, is John Tavares, the former New York Islander center who has been the fabric of this team and obviously the franchise for the most part. You'll get my thoughts on him moving north of the border to play for his uh, boyhood team the Toronto Maple Leafs but we must start off at the very top here with none other than LeBron Ramon James as he made his decision to go to LA to play for the Lakers starting this October four years at 153 million dollars and I understand everybody's outraged a lot of people saying oh there he goes jumping ship signing with the Lakers why can he go, you know, so why can he stay in Cleveland? Why can he go to, let's say, Philly or even New York for that matter? That's the whole thing about free agency, people. And for those who have listened to the program, I'm a LeBron James supporter. I'm not going to say I'm a fan or a huge fan. I mean, listen, you can't knock what he's done in his career, despite the fact that everybody wants to do so. And, you know, that's their prerogative, but they're insane for doing that. I will say that. As far as this uh, decision 3.0, if you want to call it, uh, came down rather quickly, certainly left no suspense. I know some of the reports were saying that uh, he would make his decision before July 4th, and he certainly did that. 
The only thing that I am very fascinated by is to hear his press conference because as much as it's easy to say right now, oh, there he goes to jump ship to the Lakers and I'm sure that they're going to make more trades and try to bring in more pieces to their puzzle to construct a championship team considering they have not been in the playoffs for the last five years. All right, we get all that. And right, as a basketball fan and, of course, Laker hater, I don't like the move. I can't stand it. Uh, It makes me wonder, like, why would he go there considering – as of right now, this team is not constructed to win anything. And we understand that LeBron has superhuman powers. We get it. Of the likes that we have never seen and probably will never see. But I certainly don't get the feeling that this is a team that he's going to, despite the fact that he has 15 seasons in the league, despite the fact that as well as he takes care of himself, how much more heavy lifting is he going to do, considering he's done a ton of heavy lifting the last four years in Cleveland. And now he's going to embark on this, you would think, final stage of his career to spend four years on a team that, without some reinforcements, especially in this first year. Now, who knows about next year, whatever. And we know that they still have room to bring in another big salary. But I just don't get why he would go to the Lakers if this team as it is right now. And again, it's a work in progress. We understand that. But it does make me scratch my head a little bit knowing that there's a big giant behemoth that he hasn't been able to slay but once. And even though the, when he did slay it the one time, it was of epic proportions in that 2016 NBA final. But for him to go out west, to go not only against Golden State, but even Houston, which as everybody knows I'm not a fan of, but still they're going to be a tough out if they were to face them in a postseason series. And now you have the best player in the world going west. And back to what I said a couple minutes ago, I need to hear in this press conference where he's coming from, from wanting to make this move out to L.A. I understand it may have been not the best-kept secret, considering a lot of people thought he was going to go to L.A., whether it's the houses that he has out there, whether he's looking at an eye toward post-career with all the film and TV projects that he has and the uninterrupted, the platform that he uses for social media or through social media for whether it's other athletes or entertainers, whatever it may be. He may have his sights set on that as he's now getting into, let's face it, is he in the twilight? No, not yet, but he is definitely in the back nine. He's probably at hole 13 right now. Of his career, and despite the fact that he's a specimen, despite the fact that he's from another planet, we can't expect the same production year three, year four of this contract, and who knows, maybe even year two. So, to me, where everybody's going crazy and saying all these different things about LeBron, oh, I can't believe it, so on and so forth, I mean, we all know there's no guarantees in life and no guarantees in sports for, for that matter but I need just need to hear from his mouth his mouth as to why he's made this decision because if it's for championships let's face it that team is nowhere near championship despite the fact of his brilliance could bring them to probably a four or five seed but anything further than that it'd be I mean he's really wearing an S on his chest if that's the case but despite that why did he really come to L.A.? I don't want to hear this because, oh, there was a part of me, I've, I've always wanted to be a Laker. Uh-uh. I don't want to hear that because that would be so disingenuous 
and really disrespectful to the sports fan that would really make you think LeBron. Let's be real here. You're a kid from Akron. I understand the Cavs growing up, even though the Mark Prices, the Brad Doherty's, you know, players like that, despite the fact they never got you anywhere near an NBA final. But, you know, I don't want to hear that the Lakers were your team growing up as a kid in Northeast Ohio. And yes, you may have had a fascination about magic and about the Lakers and what they did. But we all know, based on the information that he's given us and the reason why he wears number 23 is because he's loved Michael Jordan. And if anything, I look at him more as a kid, being a Chicago Bull fan, than a Laker fan. And remember, all those titles that the Lakers won in the 80s, he was either not born or was an infant when they were spraying champagne over the place out in Tinseltown. So for me to think that LeBron's going to come out in that with that angle, I'd be surprised. We all know it's not about the money. So even if he does say, oh, it's not about the money, I believe that because LeBron has more money than he can count. And you know he's going to get that kind of money wherever he went. So if he does say that, and I know that's probably the biggest cliche in all the sports when the athlete comes out, oh, it's not about the money. But if he comes, if he delivers his press conference as tidy and as genuine as possible, saying that, yes, I envision living out here. I love L.A. Yes, I have the house out here. My family, we love Cleveland. We love Ohio. But at this stage, with the kids getting bigger, we want to be in a warmer climate. And this is where I want to be. All right, if he says that, I get it. Perfectly fine. It's all good. You know, I just don't want to hear all the other stuff. The always want to be a Laker. The, oh, I think we could win a title this year. Which, of course, he's going to say. I mean, obviously, he's not going to come out and say, oh, well, I don't know if we're going to make the playoffs this year. But let's be real. Unless Kawhi Leonard's going to walk through that door or another trade's going to be made where another player's going to come in that's going to help LeBron because no offense to the Brandon Ingrams of the world, the Kyle Kuzmas of the world, the Lonzo Balls of the world, the Julius Randles of the world. He's going to have to continue to do all the heavy lifting, and granted that they're going to be relevant and they're going to be good, and after not being in the playoffs for the last five years, everybody's going to watch the Lakers again. I get that. But LeBron, clue me in, please. Unless he's talking with Magic now and Magic has some rabbits under his hat and Rob Palenka, the GM, let me see where this team is going to flourish and be a 50-win team and is going to make some noise in the postseason. Because right now, as of this day... July 2nd at 1.13 p.m., I don't see it. And it's going to be interesting to see what's going to take place over the course of these next few days because we all know Kawhi wants to get to the Lakers before LeBron signed on. Is there something going on there behind the scenes that we don't know? A little collusion? Eh, you know, we all know that's a very sketchy situation when that uh, word comes up. And we all know San Antonio, despite the fact that there's a disconnect there, I'm sure they're not going to, now with LeBron officially in the mix in L.A., I don't think they're just going to gift wrap him and say, hey, here you go. You know, word has it that they may take Brandon Ingram back, but I don't even think they want Lonzo Ball because they got that kid, uh, Murray, who they drafted, who they look at, you know, being part of their fixture, you know, part of the fixture in the team for years to come. So... 
I need to see this press conference to see how that's going to shake down before I could really decipher and get a better understanding as to why LeBron went to L.A. And, oh, have you forgotten? Remember, Golden State's going to be in the way. Houston's going to be in the way. Paul George, who resigned with OKC, and a lot of people were pretty surprised by that, and even myself, because as much as he talked about while he was in Indiana, oh, I want to go back home, I want to go back to L.A., pretty much demanded that trade me now because I'm going to sign with L.A. this coming summer, and look, he resigns with OKC, but that's another story for another day. And then CP3 resigns with Houston four years, which I would have not have given them that deal. I understand that they had to, considering the success that they had this year, but he's starting to break down. He's 32 years old. He's going to make whatever it is, 160-some-odd million dollars, and I can't trust him to stay healthy, especially year two, year three, year four of that contract. And then you're stuck with it. But back to the Lakers and their situation, I know all the Laker fans are ecstatic. I know they're happy, and it's amazing the luck. I don't know what it is. I guess it's L.A., it's the weather, it's the lifestyle, who knows. But just think about that team, especially since it's been in Los Angeles, because a lot of of people forget that they were in Minneapolis, you know, before the days of them playing out in the Forum in Inglewood before moving to the Staples Center back in, what was it, 99? You know, Wilt getting traded to L.A., Kareem getting traded there. Shaq signing as a free agent. Kobe getting traded. A lot of people forget that he was drafted by Charlotte and then was flipped to L.A. for Vlade Divac and a bunch of other players, draft picks, whatever it may be. You want to throw in Dwight Howard. I mean, ha, ha, ha. But now you have LeBron. And it makes you wonder. I'm not going to look at LeBron's legacy any different. But I will say this from a Lakers standpoint. I don't want to hear if LeBron takes his team to a title, whether it's year two, year three, year four, and doesn't win a title, or maybe he ends up winning one title there, and he plays four years. I don't want to see any retirement jerseys to the rafters, 23. I swear, if the Lakers do that, that would be a disservice. And talk about a slap to the basketball fan's face. I get that. Shaq has a statue out there. Kareem. Listen, those guys are immortal players. We know that. And we know LeBron's an immortal player. And that's not knocking LeBron. But it's just like the Yankees in recent years that, you know, let's just retire everybody's number. Let's put a plaque for everybody out in Monument Park. You know, Tino Martinez. And not to knock Tino and not to make it a Yankee thing, but let's face it. Could you imagine, again, LeBron, with the four years there, he takes his team in two of those years to a final, maybe wins one, and I can already see the statue being erected outside of Staples. I mean, that's a, come on, really? And I get that there's an appeal to the Lakers. Showtime, Magic, Kareem, the name, I mean, we don't have to, you know the list. Everybody knows those players on a first-name basis. And now you just add LeBron James to the mix. And yes, does it bite that he goes to the Lakers? I can't stand it. I can't. I can't say how they're going to do this coming year just yet because I have to see how the rest of free agency and how the rest of the summer goes because right now people want a Monday morning quarterback and get LeBron's head and think that, oh, this is a stupid move. Oh, how could he do this? Oh, it's a shame. 
He's a free agent. He can go wherever he wants. Yeah, obviously, you may not like the team he goes to. I get that. But you can't say he's ring chasing here. And even if they bring whatever pieces to this puzzle later on this summer, they may look at his ring chasing, but hey, he got here before everybody else. Maybe that was part of his logic, thinking that, you know what? Lakers, I'm going there first because of whoever, whomever they bring in after that, he doesn't want to be perceived as this quote-unquote ring chaser. Who knows? But again, we all have to hear what's going to happen during this press conference, so we'll see how that uh, shakes down. I'm sure sometime probably next week or after the 6th when all this becomes official. And, you know, I mentioned Paul George, you know, the surprise there with OKC. And OKC, now they're hamstrung. Uh, I don't know how they're going to win. And people could say, oh, you know, Carmelo's coming back. You got Russ there. But now they have no, they're going to have no bench. They have nobody. They're paying Russ max contract. They're paying Paul George a max. They're also paying Steven Adams a ton of money. You got Carmelo on the books for one more year, but it's at 27-9. And now you got LeBron going to the Lakers? Please. I could see them again being fourth in the conference and out in the first round. And Chris Paul with that deal? And that's not a knock on Chris Paul. We all know that he's likely going to be a Hall of Famer, and we all know what he's you know contributed as far as the league is concerned and him being now the been the president of the Players Association. We get all that. But even with him getting his money and now staying in Houston and trying to make another run at this thing, I can't trust his health. Bad enough if you've heard the podcast from, I guess, the third podcast on. Not that I've been railing against this guy, but we all know his performances in the postseason and what they've been. Granted, it's been a lot better this year, and he's been on a much better team. And I get that a lot of people are going to look at, well, hey, who knows? They probably would have beaten Golden State if he was there in Game 6, Game 7, but we're never going to know that. But when you have a guy that's 32 years old, who's had a ton of injuries here over the last few years, that's just a dangerous contract. Because, yes, I'm sure he's going to produce next year, but is he going to be hurt? Is he going to have those bumps and bruises that's going to keep him out from time to time? And how is that contract going to look year two, year three, year four? When he's going to be 35 and 36 years old and he's going to be a shell. And that may be a little strong, but he's going to be half the player that he once was. I mean, let's face it. So NBA stuff is going to be even faster, more furious now. And I get that the LeBron haters just going to hate even more. And I'm not going to be an apologist for him. I'm certainly not. I don't have the pom-poms you know, out for him either. Because just like I stated, you know, my feelings on this. But I really need to hear what's going to happen during this press conference. And then I'll get a better idea and understanding. I just hope that he doesn't come across as aloof. Which he normally doesn't, but you never know. You know, maybe somebody could just ask the wrong question and tick him off. And then the next thing you know... It becomes a circus. And one last thing, just on the Lakers in general. Well, two things. The first thing is, is that as bad as they were these last few years, they were on all these nationally televised games. And I get that everybody, they were the Lakers. So they could have had me running the point guard. They're still going to air these games, ESPN, TNT, ABC, etc. The crazy thing is, is that as bad as they were, they still had, I don't know how many games, but... They were, it seemed like every other week or every other night that they were on NBA TV, on 
you know, Wednesday night doubleheaders, ESPN, Friday, whatever. And I get that they're a West Coast team, and you're not going to put Sacramento on that late. I understand you're not going to put uh, Portland as much because although they have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, but they're just not the sexy team. I get now that even with the Clippers, that they're a show of you know former selves. Now that uh, DeAndre Jordan became a free agent, and I was I believe he's going to sign with his hometown Mavericks. I get that LA is going to be the team. You know they're not going to put the Phoenix Suns on that late that much. I get it's going to be the Lakers, but now could you imagine what the schedule is going to be like? I mean, every other game is going to be Lakers, and you're going to be sick of that purple and gold. You're going to get sick of the, you know seeing Jack Nicholson there in the front row. Uh, it's it's hideous, hideous. And then the other thing is too, and I never like to give this guy any pub, any press, and I, I don't even think I've uttered his name since I started this podcast back in early March. But what is going through the mind of LeVar Ball? You know, this big bowl of brand, and I'm not going to get into all that, but my point is, is what's going through his mind knowing that LeBron's going to be on this team? And I get that LeBron's going to say all the right things during this press conference, and one of the things I'm sure he's going to mentor and to a certain degree tutor Lonzo Ball and Put him on, you know, take him under his wing and develop him into a great all-around player, similar to LeBron. Now he doesn't have his all of his tools, but he can pass. He certainly can't shoot well, but you get where I'm going here. Does this mean that all the focus is not going to be on his son? So therefore, he's going to bitch and moan and pout with all the press going to LeBron, and especially if Lonzo's not going to be carrying the ball up the court. I, I can already see it. And I don't believe there have been any quotes from him as of yet, but at the same time, you know that storm is coming in a matter of moments. And it'll be interesting to see whether it's Kawhi, which I don't think would happen, or any other package. Would LeBron, would they trade Lonzo Ball, knowing that they're going to have four years of LeBron James there in Los Angeles? So that's the other fascinating part. I don't think they would part ways. You, you would think that they would want to hold on to him and just as I said, have LeBron be that guy to groom Lonzo Ball for the latter part, you know, for the mid-20s into his 30s of his professional career. But in this business, you never know. So that's just another thing to keep an eye on moving forward if and when that does come to pass as far as Lonzo Ball's role on the team or does he get jettisoned for other players, better players. It's going to be a soap opera nonetheless in L.A. And two other predictions I'll make before we move on. The first one being, and this is a guaranteed lock, which is not going on on a limb by any stretch. The first thing is, you will not see a Cleveland-Golden State round five next June. That's for sure. And the other thing is, who knows whatever pieces that they put together, and I don't think the Lakers will go anywhere near the finals next year. So that's not, again, that's not going on a limb either. But it would be fascinating to know that can we see more Celtic Lakers, which I know a lot of sports fans maybe don't want to see. They're sick and tired of Lakers Celtics, maybe for the more old school basketball fan, or maybe they want to have Celtics Lakers. That's also going to be interesting. But again, that's something for another day, another time. But I, it made me think about that because who knows that Celtic rivalry with the uh, Lakers going back to the 60s, of course. And. Obviously, LeBron and his own little rivalry with the Celtics. Again, that's more of a sidebar thing, but something that I actually had thought about 
of course, being a Celtic fan, how uh, the way the Celtics, of course, have constructed their team and obviously the the way they're set off for the years to come. So now it kind of makes you think that, hey, could there be another Celtic-Laker rematch in the next four years? Well, obviously we'll have to wait and see if that uh, does come to to the forefront. And on to the NHL, which people are probably wondering, what about baseball, J-Reels? Come on, nobody cares about hockey. Well, for the 8 million people that live in this area, just the five boroughs, and I know that 7.9999999 of those people do not know who John Tavares is, wouldn't know who he is if he fell on him or her, or certainly wouldn't care that this player who was part of this franchise since 2009 is now moving north of the border to play for his boyhood team in the Toronto Maple Leafs. Despite the fact that the ownership, Ledecky and Malkin, went all in on bringing in Lou Lamorello as a GM, and then in turn went all in on bringing Barry Trotz, fresh off a Stanley Cup victory with the Washington Capitals, into the fold. I just felt that, even with that said, it wasn't a guarantee. Bringing those two fixtures who have Stanley Cup winning pedigrees, one of old and one of as recent as a few weeks ago, I felt that there was not going to be a slam dunk, so to speak, for this player to come back and be a part of this Islander team pretty much for the rest of his career. I know people online, people on social media had said to me, oh, it's going to happen. It's got to happen. Why would they go through all this and not bring him back? And this is the reason why. I never held any hope. I had my fingers crossed. I certainly had not a lot of confidence because I've seen this story before. I've seen Daryl Strawberry walk to go play for his hometown in the L.A. Dodgers. I've seen many other players leave to play elsewhere. Despite whatever stops that the team, the organization tried to pull in order to bring this particular player back. And there was some vitriol towards Tavares in some of the comments that he made. And even Lou Lamorello had come out and said, and I'm paraphrasing as far as his individual success as a player, when we all know it's about the team. But going back to even what Tavares said, you know, a lot of players thought that with what he said as far as, and again, paraphrasing, I don't have the quote in front of me, saying something of the like where, yes, I have done a lot here and this team is going to see better days and they do have a bright future, so on and so forth. And a lot of the comments were saying, well, hey, if you know that this team has a bright future, why don't you just stay here and you know seal the deal, finish the job? And I get that they have a right to do that, but here's a guy that's made a very tough decision and made it clear in his comments that knowing that he had been an Islander and learned a lot about the game himself, knows how passionate this fan base is, although there are about 3,000 of us, and knowing that he was leaving a part of himself here, knowing that they did not get far or even close to coming to winning a Stanley Cup and bring back a lot of that glory from the heyday of the early 80s. Now, granted, that was 
a generation ago, and you certainly can't compare any Islander team recently, no matter how it's built, to those teams. I mean, they had a million Hall of Famers. But he pretty much had stated that this team is in good hands, and he's right, and that they do have a bright future. That certainly remains to be seen. Because first on Tavares and then next on the organization, just like I said in the LeBron segment, he's a free agent. He can go wherever he wants. And I don't care if they brought Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messier, Mario Lemieux to play for the Islanders. Still no guarantee. And you can't knock not only the decision that he made, but also him following up with the comments that he made, I believe, on his Twitter page or wherever it was. All you got to do is just clap your hands. You wish him the best, and you just hope that he doesn't kill you in the head-to-head matchups or, God forbid, you face Toronto in the playoffs. I don't think there's any bitterness or acrimony, anything like that. He's just going to go about his business. He's a professional. He's certainly a guy that doesn't bask in the spotlight. He's a guy that he pretty much wants to remain himself. And like I said last week in trying to assess this whole thing, I'm sure as much as he wanted to do so with the Islanders, and I believe that he's familiar with the history of the team, knowing that he was here for nine years, but it's the Maple Leafs. In Canada, when it's hockey night and that's that Saturday night Toronto's playing, everybody's focused. Everybody's glued to the sets. And he's going to have an opportunity to try to bring that team, that organization, that city, its first Stanley Cup in over 50 years. Is it going to happen next year? Certainly don't know. I don't know the makeup of the team, how it's going to be constructed. We all know they have the big other player there, the younger player in Austin Matthews, who was very happy. Certainly didn't look at it as, oh, geez, you know, this guy's going to take over my team. If you're a young player and you have a guy like Tavares coming to the mix that could take you to that next level, I mean, you do it. It's interesting because going back to the last segment, it's almost like the LeBron-Lonzo dynamic if that dynamic does happen to develop. You know, here you have a guy in Tavares who, although he hasn't won a league MVP, but has certainly been one of the top four or five players in the league over the last four to five years. And now you have this guy in Austin Matthews who I'm sure he's going to show him the ropes, show him what it takes to be a professional, a leader, etc. And he's going to be there for seven years, Tavares, until he's 34. So all I can say is best of luck to you, John. Just sorry and sad to have him leave. As far as the honor is concerned, now... Uh, you kind of wonder what Lou Lamorello's thinking because his work is certainly cut out for him. He's going to have a team that has a young player that won a rookie of the year, a team that still has no defense. Your goalie or goaltending position is certainly a question mark. And you don't have that bonafide franchise player unless they're going to push all the chips to the middle of the table and Matthew Barzal, which is going to ask a lot because it's not going to be easy to fill those skates 
of John Tavares, but Lamorello is certainly going to have to push all the right buttons and make all the right moves if this team is going to be a fringe playoff team or a wild card team because you can't see them competing for a division, let alone one of the top few spots in the Eastern Conference. I mean, they barely did that with Tavares last year. But again, it's not all about him. It's all the other positions that they need to fill, like I said, more so on the back line and in net. And what he's going to do, where they're going to (laughs) go, I don't know. I do not have a list of the free agents in front of me. I certainly don't know what's going to take place here in the coming weeks. I know the Islanders, they signed the kid. I'm going to look up his name now. I I guess that's a Band-Aid. If that was their plan B as a backup. But I don't expect much out of him. You know, a lot of people think that he hasn't even reached his potential or, you know, it's kind of fallen short. And I haven't even heard of the guy. I don't follow the league like I once did, to be perfectly honest with you. But if that was their plan B, then I don't know where this organization is going to go for reinforcements or what they're going to do. And I understand you're going to have to trust Lou Lamorello because he has that track record. But he's going to have to work a miracle here. Uh, That's all there is to it. He's going to really going to pull some rabbits out of his hat. Not just one, rabbits, plural. To get this team anywhere close to a playoff team, let alone a team that can contend for a Stanley Cup. And even with a new building on the horizon and a coach that just came off winning a Stanley Cup, you got to wonder what their thought process is today. They're going to be professional. They're going to look at it and say, hey, we knew we could test those free agent waters and go on to greener pastures, and we get that. But I'm sure inside they have to be just crestfallen. I know the fans are. I know that the fans, are. they're probably looking right now is just going to the games out in the island because – for nostalgic sake, and I think they got 20-something games out there this year, people are going to want to go fill up the barn and try to relive some of those memories of distant past, but those games in Brooklyn, whoo! Tickets are certainly going to be available. They were available the last few years. They're going to be even more so available now once they go on sale. That's a shame. Whenever you get that franchise player and... I'm sure the organization knew. Now, again, this was under Garth Snow, etc. They should have locked him up after they made that little run. They only won the one series against Florida a couple years back. But they should have done so. They should have said to John, we know you're going to free agency. We want to lock you up now. That's it. But when you have a guy like Garth Snow and nothing personal against the guy, but he's not a top executive. He's not even an executive. That's like having me play in the NHL for 20 minutes and, hey, do you want to be the GM of the team? I mean, that's what it was. No offense, but (laughs) you got to call like you see it. So the Islanders now, number 91, will certainly be missed. I don't know if that number will be put up to the rafters. I really don't. But you certainly have to wonder where this organization is going to go and what they're going to do here in these coming months. And I would just think that if Lou Lamorella were to speak, 
at some point here in the summer, well, he's going to have to send the message to say, we're going to have to be patient. Just because we lose to Varys, we're not going to try to piecemeal this thing or put a Band-Aid on it to you know, look at our fan base and say, hey, we're trying, we're doing it. No, they should just say, we lost the big fish. We're going to work hard. We're going to try. We can't hit a grand slam with no one on base. They're going to have to just have the singles and doubles approach before they can hit that home run. And that's what they're going to have to do. Because they're certainly not going to trade for a top player. Or I, I don't think they would trade for a top player. The free agent class certainly isn't like the NBA where they could say, all right, we could go to this guy or that guy. That's of that ilk of John Tavares. Well, certainly find out as we move along here throughout the summer. But uh, certainly a day of sadness, a day of reflecting the loss of our captain. John Tavares, and uh, it's tough. What could you say? Anytime you lose a guy like that, a major component of your team, it's always, please, downright sucks. I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to come out like that, but it just plainly sucks. So, as far as the rest of the NHL free agency, I haven't really got up on it. I haven't really followed it as much. Of course, Tavares was the big guy that everybody was looking to see where he would go, and sure enough, we know where he went. But if anything does happen, we'll certainly keep our eyes on it as the summer moves along. And uh, pretty much that's all I have here for the NHL. So let's move on to some baseball. I'm sure a lot of people are finally saying, hey, all right, we're sick of this LeBron stuff. Who's John Tavares? Let's get to some baseball. Well, there really isn't much to talk about when you're talking Yankees-Red Sox. And I'm sure that a lot of the Yankee fans are puffing their chests out after mauling the Red Sox in two to three games while they got mauled in the middle game. But what did you learn from this weekend? Absolutely zero. All you learned is that Sale is very good, that Severino is probably, for this year, maybe even better than him, that the Yanks hit a ton of home runs, that both teams are probably going to be neck and neck for the division at the end of the year, and that's it. So you pretty much didn't get to learn anything about these two teams over the weekend because... When you have scores like 8-2, 11-0, and 11-1, uh, a lot of boring baseball. Unless you're a Yankee fan, you like to see home runs hit all over the ballpark, which the team is, as we all know, it's loaded. And the Red Sox, although they could lick their wounds and know that they lost another series to the Yankees, but it's all going to come down to that final weekend, I think, of September, where it's the 28th, 29th, and 30th in Boston, and then... Ten days before that, the last time the Red Sox come to town, which would be, what's that, the 18th, 19th, and 20th, excuse me, of September, pretty much that's going to be the division, barring anything crazy happening, whether it's an injury or injuries to key players where the lead slips in the division for either team based on what goes down from, uh, you know, in the days, the weeks to come. And with the Yankees, it's the same story. I mean, what could you say? You know, starting pitching. I know Sonny Gray right now is in a lot of the Yankee fans' doghouse. I'm sure they want to get that number two starter in their rotation behind Severino to solidify their staff. You know, CeCe's been unbelievable, especially after the Yankee losses. I mean, the team will be fine. Tanaka should be coming back at some point. 
pretty soon. Probably, I'm sure they're going to take it easy with him. I would think probably after the All-Star break, you'll see him, of course, in the first series against the Mets. Well, this time he doesn't have to run the bases, where the last time we saw Tanaka running the bases was at City Field, where he pulled both hammies. So with the Yankees, that's what you have. I mean, there really isn't anything to report. They just continue to steamroll along here in this blistering summer. But they do have a very interesting series starting tonight against the Atlanta Braves where you're going to see young players abound on both sides. We all know the Yankee side, but the Braves with Ozzie Albies and Ron Acuna. I don't even know if he's back in the lineup yet. I haven't followed the Braves as much over the you know last couple of weeks, but the Braves, who are certainly playing well above their heads, still leading the division in the NL East. So you have pretty much the two top leaders in each Eastern division of their respective leagues going at it over the next few days, which will culminate in a July 4th afternoon game there at the stadium before the Yankees go to Toronto. And actually a long road trip leading into the All-Star break as they go to Toronto, Baltimore, and Cleveland for four before the festivities take place down in D.C. there two weeks from tomorrow. And funny how it is, just to turn our attention Toronto is hosting both New York teams this week as the Mets, they'll go to the Sky Dome to play tomorrow and the 4th in the evening. Obviously, with the game in Canada, they're not going to celebrate Independence Day, so no afternoon Met game for those who are interested in watching. Uh, The Mets, all I'm going to say is this. Considering last week I talked about Sandy Alderson and Jeff Wilpon, and I said the only way Alderson is not going to be here is if He's either going to step down on his own volition or it's going to be due to a health issue. And sure enough, that's what it was. And all of our thoughts and prayers go out to Sandy Olson as he has to battle another cancer scare. And we all hope that he comes out on the bright side of this and certainly not the dark side. But now my attention I'm going to focus here is on the three-headed monster, so to speak, with J.P. Ricciardi, John Rico, and Omar Mernaya. Now, who knows what Jeff Wilpon is thinking? Who knows if he's going to bring in another guy at the end of the year? You would think it's going to be Rico, Ricciardi, and Mania in that order as far as the the pecking order of the GMs for the New York Mets as it is today, July 2nd. I think it's a mistake. I think they should go and try to get somebody in this offseason. If you're going to have John Rico as the interim, I get that. But I think that this is what you're going to have, Met fans, sad to say. And to think that John Rico is going to be holding the hands of this organization for the foreseeable future, it's not going to bode well this coming offseason when you got the likes of Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, those two big fish out there. And chances are they're not going to get them because they're not going to spend the money. But... I digress. The reason why I bring up the three-headed monster is because what's going to happen here with this manager? And I would think they're going to ride it out. I would think that they're going to see how the rest of this year goes. As it is, they're at the halfway point of the season at 33-48. and So all you have to do is the math and the pace that they're on to go 66-96. and Sixty-six and ninety-six. Yes, I repeat, six-six, nine-six. 
if Mickey Calloway continues to just have these god-awful press conferences, and I know that they're wearing on him because you can just tell by the way he's responding to some of these. Obviously, it's not cheery. It's certainly not happy camp anymore. And as the season continues to progress, more of his moves are going to get magnified. And what's even more crazy is that a lot of the moves that he doesn't make, they don't get magnified because they're already out of the game. Uh, that game against the Pirates last week where he didn't walk the eighth-place hitter. I think Josh Harrison was up, and they had the pitcher bat next. So, you know, at 5-3, with a runner on second, first base open, he doesn't decide to pitch to the pitcher who was actually closing that game. It's just some of the cockamamie things, for lack of a better word, that he, Callaway, does on a day-to-day basis, not only makes you scratch your head, it makes you want to pull your hair out of your head. And then I've had enough of the press conferences. You know, the whole, oh, we're just not in sync. Oh, we're battling. Oh, we're not paying attention to the record. He certainly does not have a clue of what it takes to manage in New York, let alone manage, period. And nothing against the guy. I looked at it with open arms last season when they hired him, and even at the beginning of this season. All right, let's see what he has. Let you know you got to give him a shot, give him a break. You know he's a pitching coach. We all know pitching coach, other than Bud Black, and not to say Bud Black is Miller Huggins, but Bud Black has been the only successful pitching coach that has actually managed. And then again, mind you, it's not like he has a bunch of hardware in his closet somewhere or on his mantle. So when Callaway now is at the halfway point, and I get that he's not working with a full deck. You know, Cespedes, who knows when he's going to come back. The injuries to Bruce. You know, Frazier when he was on the show for quite some time. Obviously, Syndergaard hasn't come back. So, despite the fact that we can't kill him 100%, knowing that all of his arsenal has not performed on a consistent level and obviously have not been able to stay healthy, the fact that remains that in certain managing situations, he cannot... Cut the mustard. He is not fitting the bill. And what's making it worse is the post game because if you're John Rico or even Jeff Wilpon, you have to pay attention to this. I understand he's not the guy that's going to start throwing stuff across the room and flipping over buffet tables, but he's got to get a clue. He's got to get a clue not only how to manage, but how to deal with his media. And it's sad to say that baseball in 2018 is such an analytic and sabermetric game that you can't even go by the eye test anymore because everything is, as I said, time and time again. You know, everything is exit velocity. Everything is launch angle. Everything, who cares? Nobody cares about this. I don't. Yeah, does the 20-year-old care about this? All right, fine. But you know what? Again, is a guy going to perform in the clutch? Is a guy going to hit with runners on base? Is a guy going to have his home runs, RBIs? All right, on base, on base percentage? Slugging, great. Nobody needs to know about all this other nonsense. You know, StatCast is, is like, to me, it's like ruining the game. It's not trying to enhance it. And how I look at it, too, as this game is going to continue to, you know, to move forward in the years to come, you might as well have it managed by robots because it's all about coddling the player. It's all about loving the player. It's all about having... 
everybody in unison singing Kumbaya. And No. And I get it that you're not going to have the brash, old school Earl Weaver type manager or Lou Pinella is going to start throwing bases at arguments. I get that too. But the most frustrating thing about all this is that you cannot incorporate a guy or a manager and his structure or his acumen that if it doesn't tailor toward the player, and we understand it's all about the players, but guess what? Who's usually the first one to go when things are going bad? Usually the manager, not the players. Because again, if the players are going to gripe, oh, geez, you know, we can't play music in the clubhouse, or oh, geez, you know, he's rubbing me the wrong way. Or I mean, I used the case of Jason Girardi, oh, excuse me, I used the case of Joe Girardi, thinking of Jason Giambi at the same time, why, I don't know. But the case of Joe Girardi last year with Gary Sanchez and how maybe Hank and Hal looked at that as like, uh, that's not good. You know, maybe, you know, we got to listen to what he's saying or maybe we see that there's something behind the scenes that we've kept it internal and we got to get Joe out of here. And I don't want to just specifically say that that's the reason why he's not there anymore, but Everybody has to be lovey-dovey and hug it out, and uh, I just don't like it. I just, uh, in fact, I can't stand it. So now you just have these puppet managers that's going to love the players, have a campfire, make some s'mores, have a nice tall glass of almond milk, and away we go. So Callaway, I tell you, I've had it with him. And I understand you're not going to jump ship or pull the string on a manager in his first year, but if you've seen the signs, they certainly they're pointing in the wrong, the wrong direction. They they just they're awful. And I'm not trying to say that he has to be chipper every day and he has to be golly gee and uh, no, but I would like for him to show a little emotion. And what I mean by fire again, it's not. Going into a Hal McRae tirade, if you remember those days of uh, managing the Royals, one of the great ones of all time, nobody says he has to get to that level. And nobody says he has to even beat Terry Collins. But, hey, I'm sure as much as this is wearing on you, you would think you're going to get to a point where for the guy who says, oh, I don't believe in team meetings and then has team meetings, and then what does it amount? It amounts to zero. You would think that if he's going to have a team meeting, he's going to have to call some players out. He's going to have to look some players in the eyes and say, hey, you're not performing. And if you're not going to perform, you're not going to play. Because, of course, you're not going to move Jay Bruce's contract who still has two years to go. You're not going to say goodbye to Anthony Swarzak because you still got to look at him for another year. You know, there's players on this team that, right, as much as you want to get rid of, as much as you want to say, I've had enough of looking at him, well, guess what? He's, they're still going to be here. You know, and even sitting down Ahmed Rosario a week ago, the guy was had a clip where he was batting three thirty three over seven or eight games, and then he gets benched for three games to play Jose Reyes. And no offense, Jose, but we all know that he is on his last legs. But Callaway's reasoning is, uh, you know, the, the things that we didn't like, some things that we saw that we we just felt that we need, need to sit him down. Nobody's hitting on his team. The guy's batting three thirty three. What is it that you don't like? It's things like that that make you just want to pull your hair out of your head. And to me, it just doesn't equate. So, 
you know that's going to continue. You're not going to see this reversal of fortune that all of a sudden the light bulb is going to go off in his head. He's like, oh, I got it. And that he's going to act a certain way or act differently. And then the team is going to respond. And then the next thing you know, the Mets are going to make some sort of run. No, this team is already in the oblivion. The only thing you're going to wonder now over the course of the next 29 days is what players are going to be off the team. Is Cabrera going to be gone? Is Zach Wheeler going to be traded? Maybe even Steven Matz, although he's pitched a lot better. So is Wheeler. Wheeler's been pretty good of late. But that's all you're going to pay attention to here over the course of this next month. Because other than that, it is going to be a ghost town. Nobody's going to go to that ballpark. Nobody's going to care. And as I said last week, if the changes at the top aren't going to be made, it's going to continue to fester. And who knows what's going to happen come this offseason and what they're going to what their plan is if there is a plan and will it be executed? State of the Mets 2018. All right, a couple cookies before I sign off. Uh Wimbledon started today for those who are interested, which is weird cuz Wimbledon always starts the second to last week of June, I believe. And usually ends around the 4th of July or end like this weekend. But they're starting it super late. And I get people are going to say, Jay Real, so what? Who cares? It's a tennis tournament. It's a major tennis tur- tournament, number one. And number two, for it to start so late for the first time in forever, eh, I just find it uh, just odd. So Wimbledon's just getting kicked off. And uh, we'll see uh, what shakes down there. And then the World Cup. People, I haven't followed... I've said to you a couple weeks ago, if it's in my backyard, I'm drawing the blinds. I know Mexico was eliminated by Brazil today. So Brazil will continue to march on now that they're in the round of 16. Brazil, as we all know, remember, they lost to Germany in the last World Cup, 2014, got waxed 7-1. Well, they don't have to worry about Germany this time around because they have been long gone in this tournament. So let's see what we have left. I know the final is, what, two weeks from uh, from yesterday? So that's all I got. You know, I'm not going to sit here and break down games and matches and Ronaldo and Neymar. I know we had the big game today. I Yeah, I, uh, you're asking the wrong person. And I know people may be sensitive about that. Maybe, oh, Jay Reels, come on, man. You got to be up on this stuff. It's the World Cup. This is the top tournament in the world. I get it, but, you know, I'm sure there's people that couldn't care less who's in the Super Bowl, but you know what? It's a Super Bowl or NBA Final or the World Series. Yeah, World Cup. I understand if I'm living in Brazil or Argentina or England or Germany that, yeah, I need to be on top of this. I'm in the U.S. If the U.S. team isn't there this year, and even if they were there, they would have been long gone anyway. Uh, What do I care? I'm not going to lose sleep over it. In fact, except for the country that whomever wins in 13 days, Three days after it happens, three days after it's over, nobody's going to care. In fact, I could go. I could ask people next month, the average sports fan or the diehard sports fan, especially here in New York, hey, who won the World Cup? They probably have to take five seconds to say, oh, uh, this team. It's just how it is, people. As, hey, listen, I'm sorry if I'm offending anybody or I'm looking at it like, Jay Reels, you're lost, you're clueless. How dare you? You could say that. But I just gave you the reasons why. And that's the truth. That's why I'm not a big Olympics guy. You know, these tournaments and these types of events, 
once it's over, it's forgotten. You know, I just mentioned the Super Bowl. When you think of the Super Bowl, you got to think of the Eagles. First Super Bowl, you think of Philadelphia. I mean, we're in New York, or I'm in New York, I get that, but, you know, people are going to remember that. Are people going to remember, you know, Spain won the World Cup, or when Germany won the World Cup? I mean, unless you live in Germany where you could brag for the next four years, great. Here, nobody cares. If USA went and won, then it would be a different story. But we know that's not happening. Obviously, it's not happening this year, and that's probably not going to happen four years from now and four years after that and four years after that. And one last thing. Going back to the Islanders, I researched a guy. It's Leo Komarov, which when I look at this situation, and funny how I compared Tavares leaving almost like Daryl Strawberry, where Strawberry went back to L.A., and here's Tavares going to Toronto. So what happens? When Daryl went to L.A., remember, who was the Mets' biggest free agent pickup that offseason? It was Vince Coleman. No, not Benia. Benia was the year after. And I understand yesterday was Bobby Benia day. I get it. Mets fans will never live that one down. But Kamarov, he was signed to a four-year, $12 million deal. And I read a few things about him, about how you know he hasn't really played up to any type of potential or uh, a level that I guess was expected in Toronto. Well, here's the reason why. He's 31 years old right now, and this is what he had last year as far as his numbers are concerned. You ready for this? Seven goals, 12 assists, and 74 games. So that was 10 amount to the Mets signing Vince Coleman. So you had a slugger and strawberries, a potential MVP candidate every year, and you're bringing in Vince Coleman, who's a guy that's, yeah, going to steal you 60, 70, 80 bases but is going to bat 260, 270 on a good year, is going to hit one home run and drive in 20 runs. That's Kamarov. And if that's all that Lou Lamorell has done to this point, is to sign a guy like that, that's that's not a good signing. Because you're expecting nothing out of this guy. I know I am. And even if he gets off to a hot start for some reason, please, that, you know, that, that, that's not going to last. Sorry, Leo. I know I don't know you, but the back of your hockey card says it all. So, hate to close it. I hate to close the show on that note, but I mean, geez, I tell you. People, please feel free to check out my website, www.jreels.com, for all the latest and greatest with the program. Not only that, I implore you. And I beg and plead. Now, that's a little too strong, but you get my point. To go to your podcast app on whatever device that you may have, whether it's an iPhone, uh, Android, iPad, whatever Samsung, whatever tablets that they may have, go to the podcast app, uh, go to Apple Podcasts or to Google Play, Speaker, uh, excuse me, Spreaker, Stitcher. Go on there. Please feel free to post a rating, leave a review. More importantly, subscribe. Obviously, in doing that, not only will gain a lot of visibility and popularity amongst the other sports shows in the podcast universe, but it will attract attention and also would attract me to get better guests and more guests. And I understand it's been a few weeks since I had one, but trust me, people, I'm working behind the scenes to try to see who I can get anybody. More so, I'm trying to get them face-to-face because I want to have that intimate conversation with whomever, whether it's a sports writer, former current athlete, broadcaster, whatever, because I want to have that camaraderie with the guests 
more so in person than on the phone. And the only way I can really do that is with your help. So if you could go ahead and please do that for me. Again, on all those platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, again, post a rating, subscribe, leave a review. Uh, literally takes minutes, especially if you do it from your phone. I mean, it, it literally take two minutes to do so. I greatly appreciate that. Uh, you can check all my social media sites at uh, JReels1 on Twitter, JReels on Instagram, and also the JReels podcast on Facebook. Please feel free to send a, an email if you like for any questions, comments, criticism, praise, whatever it may be. Who knows? I may even read it on the program. That's at the JReels podcast at gmail.com. And again, for all the latest that's going on with the program, please check all my social media sites as well as the platforms that I have on social media. And uh, again, feel free to send me an email if necessary. From the South Bronx, the South Beach, the South Central, the South Pacific, and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. And until next time on the J Rules Podcast, on the flip, baby. <laughs> <laughs>